Hello there. Hello there. And welcome to another episode of the Sift Takers Snapshots podcast. My name's Bob D, and with me for this show are Rich Polly. Hello, Bob. And Colm Brown. Hello there. It's the Irish Dream Team. <laughs> <laughs> and in this episode, we're, we're going to talk about how lists have evolved through 2.0. And in particular, think about the lists that started off very strong, but seem to have disappeared. Um, obviously, we've had a, a massive points change back in January. Yeah. And that had a big impact. Uh, but it has meant that some stuff just has, has disappeared and other stuff has uh, come to the fore. What were the initial lists that, that you were playing, Rich? Uh, so things that have disappeared out of the meta that I was playing were um, Dash Rourke. Um, I played a bit of that. Then I was playing early iterations of Forship Rebel. So it was um, the Janors, Sabine Shuttle, uh, Lieutenant Blount and Luke Skywalker version that I played a, a good few games with. Yeah, and, and both of those are things that haven't seen the light of day for one reason or another for quite some time. How about yourself, Cole? A lot of like rebel stuff, Forship Rebels, things like that. Desperately trying to make Rebel A-Wings good. But nothing. I've not. I wasn't really playing anything that was affected by the points changes. Okay. Uh, well, the escape craft actually, the scum escape craft, the little um, coordinating boat that went up and that screwed some of my lists. Well, I mean, you look at the the four horsemen that took Nerf Herder back in November, um, the first big two point event in the UK, and our mate Dan Slob did very well running his his four horsemen. And then that got shoved up to 230 points-ish. Yeah. And, yeah, and that a, was it, wasn't it? Yeah, it got a massive kick. I mean, there is a, there's a new iteration of it, which trades in Seavor and a, and a cartel executioner, the, the generic Camogula. And then, it, it, but I just don't think it has the same level of kind of token stripping, efficient attacks that the, the Cavill... And then the, the quad jumper and everything else added onto it uh, with four long on Paylob. So, you know, all those double modded attacks. And, you know, I think it rightly was upped in cost. Um, there are versions of it, but it's a, it's a shadow of its former self. I think the people that have been playing it call it the three and a half horseman because it's just not quite mm. as good. And, and that had a knock on, on on other lists that were built around some of those scum efficiencies like Rubber Dingy Rapids. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think we've seen it a lot with. I know Bob is still popular enough with scum players, but I think the um, faction agnostic players have moved away. Like Bobba was the the top kind of meta call that everybody was saying, you know, Bob is so good now, we've got to play him. And those people have now moved on to other things where, you know, hardcore scum players are still, you know, sticking Slave 1, or it's not Slave 1 usually, is it? It's Marauder on the table. And then, uh, and, and you know, building lists around it and that's been made harder by the points changes so yeah it's uh, it, the knock-on effect of of a single points change can be quite interesting to look at but then if you look at the knock-on effect of multiple points changes stacking on top of each other you do just see things that vanish without a trace out of the meta well i've not seen a punisher on the table since i played charles burkhold with his with his punisher at uh, the system open but until i bumped into charles who's obviously obsessed with death rain um, i hadn't seen one of those for months 
And is is that a points change thing with the with the punishers? Do you know what what's funny is that Redline is still crazy good, like he's he's absurdly good, and he's more expensive now if you just want to put proton torpedoes on him. But he's still ridiculously strong because of his his easy access to double modded proton torpedoes, even off the back of a K turn and all sorts of things. So I mean, I don't think the points are what's pushed punishers out of the meta. I think it's the combination of not being able to take them and the other Imperial power pieces anymore. So they used to there was a, the squad that was I can't remember the cloak and choke whisper and then. Um, two Punishers or Cloak and Choke Whisper and one Punisher and something else. I can't remember what it was. Soon to um, you. Yeah, soon to you. And it did really, really well in a bunch of different extended events. And then it disappeared. But it didn't... It it was still... You could still do that list post-points change. But instead of having a 10-point bid, it had a 1-point bid, which wasn't the primary reason. I think the primary reason was that um, Whisper lost the crew slot, gained the gunner slot. Could still get force, but lost Vader, and that suddenly meant that actually playing Vader was worthwhile as a pilot rather than as crew, and so it 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 shifted the meta in a number of different ways. And I think it wasn't the points change that did it. I think it was that Vader got made cheaper, his ability to be crew on Whisper got removed, and so that shifted the meta to people playing Vader pilot rather than Vader crew. I mean, the the big thing for me with the points change is. Layer dropping from eight points to two points. Um, yeah, it's, it, it, it well, it certainly had a huge impact. I mean, I think it's it's easy to overestimate how much of a of a change that is because in order to make um, layer viable, especially in hyperspace, you are having to take a U wing to shove layer on. So your cheapest U wing is at forty three points. So for Leia, instead of spending 45 points, sorry, instead of spending uh, 51 points, you now need to spend 45 points. But you still need to have the, the Leia limousine to carry her around. And I wonder if, if there's been an overreaction. It's not that Leia is 300% cheaper, whatever it is. It's that Leia has dropped from 51 to 45. So I think with Leia, there's a few things... The first of which is the U-wing. Like it's quite a good chassis, but the the big thing that was always holding it down was the fact that it had no K turn. It only had a stop, and a stop. If you try and stop and spin, it's generally a very good way of getting shot in the arse, as opposed to a K turn. So with the U-wing, it's very easy to get it wrong, and then you're doing the you're stressed, and it takes ages to get back in the fight. So Leia has made the U-wing good by being on the on that chassis so that's why it's like all of a sudden people have realized that whereas the u-wing was just kind of a write-off before but i do think in terms of points changes and how people consider them there's a there's a factor to it that is just like all of a sudden people go oh hey look at this thing like leia went from eight to two which is just a really shocking change but at the time when it happened a lot of people still went yeah but you still probably won't take her you know yeah and the, but then we had at the club Jason, who was playing her at eight points, just saying that's a mistake. She shouldn't be that cheap. And it turns out, well, it depends how you want to define mistake, but he's potentially correct. 
And she'll go back. I assume with the points change, Leia will go somewhere to around five points and she'll still see play. Because now what's happened is basically we've seen how good she can be. The important point with that is that the U-Wing is enabled by Leia. And all of a sudden, a U-Wing at 45 points rather than 51 opens up other options in the, the Rebel Beef. Yeah, it's the, the changes to the hyperspace list legality of putting all the U-Wing pilots legal means that abilities like Cassian's um, come in. That then does really well with the B-Wings that were added at the same time. Um, and then you see the output of that with Fishy making top table in the system open with a list that contained two B-Wings, which... You know, a couple of weeks beforehand or a month beforehand, everybody would have told you you were mad if you'd, if you'd said somebody was going to go to top table at the 585-person event with 10 and Braylon. The other thing I was thinking about Leia there was that everybody knew that she was really good because of Coruscant when everybody was allowed to take her for zero points. And so it was like, you know, people were saying, oh, it's a bind having to take a ship with a crew slot in it until they started practicing with a list with Leia in it and they realized that they could get three white K turns once every three turns. And then that's when I think it, the penny started to drop to people that she was actually worth taking. And then they were thinking, is she worth eight points worth of taking? And I think if they put her back up to five, or even if they jump her back up to eight again, you'll still see her in lists. You'll just see the lists more for rounder as the legality of stuff changes in, uh, in, in hyperspace um, or if extended becomes more popular, you know, um, you were talking about the Leia limousine. One of the things I've been playing about with is putting Leia on the Sabine shuttle, talking about a ship that everybody used to play and nobody does anymore, sticking her on the attack shuttle. And while it's got half the health of the U-Wing, it's got focus of aid every turn and can be sitting out behind a rock. And, you know, I'm going to have a bit of a play with that and extend it and see if it works. Do you think that's better value than the U-Wing? It's around about the same points. I mean, I've still got a U-Wing in the list in Plymouth. I've still got Cassian. But I just like playing that Sabine ship and I wanted to bring her back again. It's one of the things I was thinking about when we were talking about, you know, this podcast was, you know, why does nobody play Sabine anymore? Because Paul Heaver said, when I make a rebel list, I start off with Sabine and then I build it from there. Because, you know, the, the pre-move repositioning, she's an excellent blocker. If she's moving after you, she's got supernatural reflexes for free, so on and so on and so on. You know, you've got all these amazing abilities just packed up into kind of, I think she's 41 points now or 43 points, something like that. 41. Um, 42. Yeah, 42. So, I mean, she's still really cheap. She's not as cheap as she was. And I was wondering why people didn't fly her anymore. Um, so I'm giving her a bit of a run out and extended to see if she's still got, you know, the, the right stuff for it. I mean, fashion's quite important with all of this. I mean, stuff comes and goes over time. The The initial thought when 2.0 came out was that an Academy Swarm with Hellrunner is just the most efficient, best use of points. And I don't think I've played one competitively, despite that being thought to be a super efficient list. I have seen Inferno Squadron. Um, producer Tim's done pretty well with that. And And is it... People are more influenced by the internet than they are by even by results or by what they can actually do well with. I think I think there's a fair point to that, because if you don't get to play a lot or test a lot, or you don't use Vassal or something where you can stick you know, any list down and get half a dozen reps with it to see how it feels. And you're going to go to a tournament and you want to fly something competitive, then, you know, you can go on the internet and just say, you know, what's the what's a good list to do well with at the moment. Um, and we talked a couple of episodes ago about Rebel Beef 
about why it does well. And I think it's because you put four strong chassis into a list, you put a smattering of upgrades on them, and then you you know fly them at your opponent and throw dice until you win the game. And that seems to be, you know, Rebel Beef is doing really well in whatever archetype you want to you want to take it because it's Rebel Salad. But the only thing that's a, a consistent in it there is is a U wing carrying Leia, isn't it? But on the other hand, you, if you see a tournament with a hundred people and ten people are taking Rebel Beef, then it's not a surprise if one or two of them make the top sixteen because that's roughly ten percent. They're performing not according to their ability, but according to their their number of tickets in the lottery, if you like. Mm. And I think players underestimate that. I think I think there's a there's a real phenomenon of players talking up particular builds as being theoretically effective, and then they see that they that two rebel beefs make the top sixteen. So that means that they're good, and and overestimating the fact that actually there were eight rebel beefs that didn't make the cut. Because people only look at cuts rather than at the whole spread of lists that, that enter events. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think just to, to, to bring it back onto point about the what, why people stop playing things is if somebody's been playing something and doing okay with it, and then there's a points change, they'll go on the internet. The internet will tell them that the list that they enjoyed isn't any good anymore. So they'll go and try and find something else. They often don't uh, try and see for themselves. So Ed Ball, who's been coming down to the club for a while, flew quad X1s, tie advanced, to, you know, good success at a, at a hyperspace trial. And his first one, you know, got top eight, I think, or top four, maybe, um, in that in that hyperspace trial. Uh, and, you know, the internet basically was like, who is this crazy guy and what's he doing it for? The thing is, I've flown against him and it's a really tough list to pick apart because of, of how much it throws crits in. But when people... And people, I mean, the internet had decided that Thai advanced were rubbish. So, you know, nobody was flying them, but he did. And then he did well with them. So, you know, and and I think people, you see things dropping out of the meta. People stop flying things because the internet tells them that they're bad, which I think is is just crazy because, you know, the effect that some of the big American podcasts have on the American meta certainly is, is absolutely absurd. Like um, I talked about Dash Rourke before. One of the American podcasts basically told everybody who was going to one of their big events that they should fly Dash Rourke. So they all did. Like about 20 people turned up at this event with it. I think it might have been Adepticon, you know, and it, it ended up hitting top four and top two. And they were kind of saying, we want to prove that this is broken. So everybody should fly it. But in and of itself, that warps the that that warps the, the statistics or the figures of it. Because if, you know, 40% of a field or 20% of a field turn up flying one list, then some of them are going to get into top cut as you say you know it's just numbers that makes me want to start analyzing how phantoms are doing compared to their number of entries uh, my suspicion is that they're overperforming compared to the number of people that are taking them at denver at least i went and had a look at list fortress and that was definitely true there and, and that suggests that the, that the phantoms are objectively a terrifyingly strong list yeah, I mean, it, we talked a lot about Rebel Beef in, in the last couple of episodes and, um, and on this one. And the um, the one thing or the two things that kind of feast on Rebel Beef are um, the fat hand list um, that Jack's been flying and um, Quad Phantoms. Um, when you talk to people that fly Rebel Beef, they just say, yeah, you know, I came up against one Quad Phantom. It was my it was my loss. Or, you know, I, I met nothing but Quad Phantoms, so I've gone, you know, two and four. 
and but I think apart from those two kind of meta monsters, the 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 Rebel Beef has a really good um, a really good pairing against most stuff. Bit off topic. <laughs> uh, no, not at all. Okay, we're going to be back on Friday, and in the meantime, it's goodbye from me, Bob D, and goodbye from Rich. Goodbye. And goodbye from Colm. Goodbye. Married long time ago. Where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from? Cutting that dough. If it hadn't been for cutting that dough.